it's 9.27, Tuesday, February 11th, and I'm sitting here in my room, just having finished recording this podcast, doing the editing on it and everything, and I'm getting it uh, organized and ready for release in the morning. It's been a busy, busy past few days, and uh, in this podcast, I kind of recap my weekend trip in Michigan, just a few different topics, the UFC 246, um, some ideas I had about religion and uh, drug addiction, and a few other things, you know. I enjoyed this podcast. It took me a minute to get into a groove, but I ended up finding my uh, finding my rhythm. And as time goes on, these will get better and better, and I'm looking forward to it. But, uh, but yeah, I'll put out another one next Monday, and uh, we'll keep this weekly routine going. I'm going to put out these once each week. That's the plan, so... I hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, like I said, we covered all kinds of different things. And uh, like I said, if you want to help me help the podcast, go ahead and rate these. Write a review on the Apple podcast app if you haven't already. And if you see it on social media, go ahead and like it and share it. All of that stuff helps me. So thank you very much for taking the time to listen to this. And uh, I hope you enjoy the episode. I had a pretty busy weekend. I visited home for like four days, Thursday through Monday. And it was a, a pleasant trip, a bit cold up there, considering I'm acclimated to this Florida weather now. So uh, that cold was a bit rough, but I made do with the little bit of winter clothes that I, I did have. But, um, it was nice, though, to see some friends and family. I didn't really travel around a lot to try to visit everybody because I just did that for the holidays. So it's just, you know, it was just easier just to sit with a few people and spend my time with them. And uh, it was nice because we went out to a friend of mine's gym up in Detroit, Stars and Strikes. You got the train with all those guys out there, which is always fun. That's something I've always enjoyed doing. And uh, exchange knowledge and, and, and learn a bit. It's it's fun. And plus I need to train while I'm home. So I got to train at least one day while I was there. Uh, I was just lazy the rest of the days. Just out and about visiting with people. I didn't take time to work out or whatnot. But yeah, whatever. It's not going to kill me. But um, I did a lot of different things, so I uh, got to see some people I haven't seen in a while, some old training partners, watched the fights and stuff this weekend, and uh, went out, had some drinks and things like that, and uh, <laughs> had some fun adventures. I won't go into too many details, but it's just typical out in Jackson type of stuff. Those of you that live there understand what I'm talking about. It's just the nature of that town. Um, I enjoyed it, though, you know. 
and I don't know when I'll be able to visit back home, but there's cheap flights that pop up all the time, so I, you know, jump on that opportunity as they come, so I'm sure here soon I'll probably come across another nice deal and, and fly up there. I did have one thing that was reinforced in me, though, is I don't ever want to have to move back there. That's just... I don't know. If that's not motivation to succeed in and of itself, then I, I don't know what is. It's just that place no longer has what I want in life there. You know, It doesn't align with my uh, goals and aspirations. So that is a strong motivator to fucking make it in life, you know. But for all of my friends and family still there, you know, it's good to see them succeed and, and try to do what they can. But I don't ever want to have to move back there. Man, I don't want to ever have to do that. <laughs> but I suppose that's kind of common with people that have lived in the same place their whole lives. They kind of want to leave and never come back. Like here in Florida, people that have grown up here, they're ready to go. They're over it. They're like... uh over the heat, over the people here, you know. And it makes sense. You've been in the same environment your whole life. It's like you want to go out and go to new places and experience new things. So that makes sense, you know. But one good thing is there was uh, somebody from my hometown that debuted in the UFC this weekend, Chaos Williams, and he won his fight in like 36 seconds or something like that by knockout. Very impressive debut, and uh, it's really good to see somebody from my hometown make it to the big stage. You don't see that very often, you know. Of of all places, Jackson, Michigan, somebody comes from that town and makes it to the apex of the sport in terms of organizations. That's uh, that's really awesome. Um, I don't really know chaos personally. We know all the same people. I've trained with a lot of different people. He's good friends, or I mean, his family with my uh, good friend Mo Williams, uh, which I believe they're cousins or something like that. And uh, it's just nice to be able to see people find success from Jackson. That's just that's just awesome. Hopefully, he uh, keeps doing good. You know that that is a. It's, ho it's hopeful and inspiring for those that are still there in Jackson, you know, that they, that they can get out and, and go do things, um, you know, outside of the town. So, but yeah, I just wanted to talk on that. And since we're talking about fights, I might as well talk about the UFC. Um, I don't know what number UFC that was, like 246 or something. I don't even know. But, uh. There were some good fights. I don't really, I didn't really pay attention to a lot of them. I watched Mursad Bektik and uh, I forgot the other guy's name. Fight that was a that was a good that was a good fight. It was a close fight. Um, Valentina Shevchenko absolutely picked apart that girl. Like it comes as no surprise. Valentina Shevchenko is just phenomenal uh, fighter. She's very well rounded. And uh, then you have John Jones, Reyes, very controversial decision. A lot of people went with Jones. A lot of people went with Reyes. You know, it was a very close fight. You could give it to either one. I'd have to go back and watch that fight without sound. 
to get a really unbiased uh, look at that fight, you know. But apparently there were some other fights in that card as well that had really bad officiating. Like the judges were grossly incompetent. And, uh, I mean, that comes as no surprise. The judging in MMA is just absolutely shit. They should have old fighters or something similar to that judging these events just so you have somebody that has been experienced in the sport and has a very sound understanding of it so they know what they're judging. The judging criteria should be changed. Um, just the entire system as a whole has like a boxing, uh, the same scoring system for boxing, for MMA, and they're just two completely different sports. And they have it to where like you don't know where you're at in a fight. So they should implement open scoring where at the end of each round, you know whether or not you're up or down, you know, whether or not you're winning or, or losing, you know, that could influence the outcome of, of a fight, influence how a fighter um, performs during that fight. You know, that's something that they should look into. Maybe having more judges too. I think like five judges would be adequate, you know, because there's just so, so, so many different things taking place during a fight. You have, you know, just... The grappling, the striking, um, both on the feet and on the ground, uh, just the controlling of distance, damage. I mean, there's just so many different aspects of it that goes into goes into the fight that they should have more judges to make it a little bit clearer. So, I don't know, that's just something I was thinking about. There's so many fights, I just, I don't know who's fighting when anymore UFC's always putting on fights so I don't know what next big cards are coming up but hopefully something changes very soon with the judging because it's messing with people's livelihood and a loss in this sport sets you back a lot especially at the highest level you know so hopefully they get it right I'm sure they will and just it's a very slow process it's a very young sport you know it's been around what uh, it's 20 years, 30 years, something like that. It hasn't been around very long at all, you know. But we'll see what happens. Um, I was listening to uh, Joe Rogan podcast last week because I always listen to his MMA podcast that he has. I listen to some of the uh, guests that he has on, of course, you know, if I find them interesting. But there was one with Jeremy Stevens. Uh, or not Jeremy Stevens, what am I thinking of? Um, uh, with, uh, what's his name? I can't think of his name right now. Uh, let me pull it up and look. But he was taught, it was Josh Thompson. The Joe Rogan podcast with Josh Thompson. MMA show number 86. And uh, Josh, I mean, he said a bunch of different stuff, but... He said one, there was one clip from that video or that podcast that really stuck out to me. And he was talking about how if you're no longer fighting, you can't train like you still are. You know, you have to allocate that time to your career or whatever it is you're pursuing and then fall back and have training be a hobby, you know, because those coaches are always going to be there. That, you know, training's always going to be there. You don't have to go spend two, three, four, five hours in the gym every day to go kick it with your boys and, you know, hit pads with your coach and, and all that. And uh, that really resonated with me because I'm not actively fighting anymore. I haven't fought in years, you know. 
and at at this point i probably won't fight again there's just no need for it and uh it made me realize that i should probably focus even more of my time towards uh my career obviously and other um avenues in life because even right now i still train a lot i mean i don't train like like a fighter um with that mentality and that and that uh amount of workload but i still train often you know and that's not to say that um you shouldn't still you know work out to be healthy and train martial arts because i mean martial arts are going to be a part of my life but that doesn't have to be a large portion of my day anymore, you know? And uh, he was just talking about that. And like I said, it really resonated with me. And it put some things into perspective, you know? It's just like, okay, I don't always have to go to the gym and see everybody, you know? It's like, I got to go to the gym for me, you know? I have to go to the gym um in an intelligent way as far as time management goes, you know, I got a lot of different stuff I do now. And, uh, you know, like I manage, uh, a kickboxing gym, a, a cardio kickboxing gym. And that takes up a big chunk of my time, you know? And so if I want to do other things, supplement other income and things like that, there's going to be a sacrifice in some aspect of my life. You know, you only have 24 hours in a day. So I have to manage that intelligently so I can progress through life in a way that puts me in position to succeed, you know. Because at the end of the day, if I'm always focused on training, technique, trying to get better, and things like that all the time, why? Aside from just learning, you know, and, and, and growing as a martial artist, but I'm not using that stuff um, to, to fight and things like that. You know, so just more so to have fun for the mental clarity. And again, this isn't saying that I'm going to be stop training and, and and things like that, but it's just not going to hold as much of a precedent. Uh, it's just not going to be as important in my life as as other things. You know, my life isn't going to revolve around that. I still absolutely love to do it, and I'm going to continue to do it. Just doesn't have to be. Uh, a top priority, you know, so I don't know. I was just thinking about him and, and, and him talking about that. I just thought that was really cool. And, and go listen to it. He laid it out way better that, than I did, uh, way better than I did. So I would strongly recommend, um, checking that out. But, uh, I don't know, man. It was like, I recorded one of these yesterday. <laughs> um, I recorded an entire like 45 minute podcast yesterday and I went back and got like halfway through it. And I was like, I just, I can't upload this. This is just complete shit. Like yesterday I was running on 16 hours of sleep roughly since Thursday. I got up and at like, 6 30 in the morning and we had to do all this stuff and then fly into florida and then i went right from there to work got home from work and i'm like i absolutely have to record this podcast and i sat down and recorded it uh, in zombie mode and i can just tell i could not string my thoughts together for shit 
So I'm like, all right, we're just going to not upload this and we'll just do it tomorrow. And here I am doing it. So um, I saved you guys having to listen to 45 minutes of just trash. I mean, there were some good points in it and maybe I'll take some sound bites from it because I did have some good ideas that I went on. Uh, little rabbit holes that I went down, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. I'll I'll go back and uh, maybe do some editing on it and pull some sound bites from it at a later date. But it's really not that important. But yeah, it was like I said, it was a very long weekend. Yesterday was a very long day. I should have just went to bed as soon as I got back from work, but I stayed up and, and did that podcast and kind of played around with the production of it. And uh, yeah, I need a full night's sleep. So that's the goal tonight. Is I'm going to probably go to bed shortly after this. I'm going to get this all sorted out and have it upload first thing in the morning. And then uh, I'm going to sleep. That way I can get a full night's rest and get up well rested tomorrow and attack the rest of this week. Because I got stuff I got to do. So um, I had some talking points that I wanted to uh, to touch on. Um and I don't know, it was just stuff I would sit down and think about, you know, while I was driving or while I was at work when I had a moment just to sit and contemplate or something maybe piqued my interest or, or made me think. And uh, in light of it being Black History Month, I was thinking about just how religion has uh well basically how religion like grows and how it cements itself in civilizations and i kind of went down this rabbit hole of basically religions like all right we're gonna take over your society your country your group of people your tribe whatever it is and you're gonna believe what we believe and if you don't, you will be ostracized. Back in the day, you'll be killed. Some areas of the country or world, you still are killed if you don't believe in uh, the um, dominant religion. And uh, your option is to assimilate, you know. And when I start thinking about that, I notice that all of your conquered civilizations, their primary religion becomes that, that of the oppressor. Okay, so for instance, in the Spanish Inquisition, Spaniards came over, invaded South America, and was like, all right, we want all your resources, and you are now all going to believe in our God. And if I'm not mistaken... The Spanish were uh, practiced Catholicism, or they were all Catholic, and everybody was converted. Um, people were killed off, and eventually they all assimilated into the Spanish culture and religion. And if you look at today, like all the descendants of like the Mexican people, were of the Mayans and Aztecs and uh, all of that. Their primary primary religion today is, you know, they're all Catholic. 
So it's just really interesting to me, if you go back and think about it, that these people are all believing a god or a religion that oppressed their ancestors and basically forced themselves upon them. And now it's an absolute truth. This is their life. They're very devout in their beliefs, you know. And they're um, encouraged to have children, to raise families so they can increase, you know, their their followers, spread the word of 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 Christ and, and, and God and all that. And, you know, it's essentially they indoctrinate their children. And this is the same with the Africans coming to America. The Africans were tribal people, had their own beliefs um, amongst their tribes, and then they were taken from their homeland, brought here, and forced into Christianity. And now if you look at um, probably the primary religion of all of black America is Christianity, which is the same religion of all their oppressors. And I just thought that's interesting that given that we know what we know about the past, we still embrace the religion of it. Because I don't really, it's hard for me to, to stand indifferent to that because you have a person who owns slaves, who was a uh, plantation owner. Probably these people did atrocious things to these people. You know, these the slaves were less than human. You know, treated as less than human, and the Christian God was forced upon them. Um, and if they didn't, you know, follow that creed, it was death or something worse. And and we know that. We know that this has happened. This has all been documented. We have pictures. We have uh, just vaults of literature um, on this topic. Yeah, everybody embraces the Christian faith. And this is the same faith as like the Ku Klux Klan, the same faith, faith as Jim Crow, all of these people. It's just, it, it's so interesting to me. And... Everybody embraces Christianity as this all-loving, loving God. And this was the same loving God that allowed their ancestors to be absolutely brutalized. You know? So, I just, I think about that often. I don't know if that's just fucked up to think about, but it just never sat, sat well with me. Even as a teenager, I thought about this. I'm like, why are people believing in a God that sat idly by? Why their entire, um, why all their people were tortured and murdered and enslaved, you know? But I don't want to get into religion too much. I already went down a rabbit hole on a tangent on that, but it's just something that I think about and... I don't know, it just makes me uncomfortable. And if you're assuming, no, I don't believe in God. I have, I've never believed in God. Um, even as a kid, I was, my parents never 
forced that upon me. They kind of gave me the freedom to choose what I wanted to do. And even at a very young age, I, uh, I used to argue the existence of God. Um, while I don't know with absolute certainty that God doesn't exist or that he does exist, we have no empirical evidence to support that. So while it's not impossible, it's highly um, improbable. So that's where I stand with it. And uh, I remember arguing this as a kid, uh, literally in fourth grade, my buddy Ed Kemplin, he reminded me of this of a couple of years back. He's like, yeah, I had uh, this magazine I brought to school and I had the Pope on the front of it. And apparently me, I don't remember this argument at all, but he said, apparently me, uh, I, I told him that, how do you know that God is real? And apparently he got really upset and we got into an argument over this. And uh, he told me this years later, like I said, this is a story he told me a few years ago on Facebook. And just, that's just the type of person I was. I always question everything. Like, I always question everything. It's just the nature of me. You know, I'm very inquisitive. I'm always curious, looking for answers and information. You know, I don't just blindly accept things. You know, it has to make sense to me. And if it doesn't make sense, I'm going to get as much information about it as I can so I can paint the clearest picture about whatever it is as I possibly can. Because, you know, there's there's a lot to be said for, you know, trying to understand the world around you. Um, and I've always tried to do that, so... But yeah, that's something I wanted to just kind of touch on a, a bit, you know. I don't really talk about religion much or politics. I really try to avoid that because it's, for whatever reason, people get really emotionally charged when you talk about politics and religion. Because their entire core values and belief systems are structured within those ideologies. And it's just what they identify with a lot. So when you start to oppose those things or question them or have um, just like opposing opinions and ideas, people feel attacked, you know, because people don't like to be wrong, you know. It's, so they get defensive, you know. And uh, that's just human nature. If you attack somebody's well, – not even attack – if you question somebody's beliefs or if your beliefs differ from from somebody else's, it creates tension uh, most of the time, you know. So I just try to avoid that shit altogether. Like I don't – I genuinely don't care about politics, never have, and I'm not going to start today. It's just something I have no interest in at all. Um, as for religion, I went down that road. I got – as well-versed in religion as I felt I needed to be. I studied Christianity. I studied uh, all the arguments for atheism. Um, I studied Islam, like I practiced Islam. Um, I, I didn't go into Judaism that much, but I kind of touched on it just so I can get an understanding of it. I practiced um, Buddhism. like That's something that I actively went and studied their scripture the Dharmapada, all that stuff. And I just wanted to gain an understanding of all of that. Like with Islam, I 
read the Quran. Um, I went to the mosques. I've prayed and things like that in Dearborn, Michigan. And uh, I tried to get an understanding of that religion. This was when I was young. I was probably around 12, 13. I was just, like I said, very curious. And uh, I just knew that it wasn't for me. I It felt forced. Like I felt as if I, they want, wanted me to absolutely believe everything they were telling me in blind faith. And I just wasn't with it. It wasn't the path that my heart wanted to go down and my mind wanted to go down. So I stepped away. And this was the same thing with uh, Christianity. I just, whenever I felt, or uh, whenever I went to the church, I always felt like they were trying to convert me. And I didn't like that. You know, so... I avoid religion now. I used to troll people online over religion just because I was a young um, young kid and finding entertainment and people's um, reactiveness on social media. But those days are behind me. I might play with people here and there, but it requires far too much effort to get a rise out of people for their beliefs. So... But yeah, that's me and religion in a nutshell. <laughs> so, but let's see what the Florida man has been up to. We're going to check the news. So, t Florida man has been busy. He's been very busy. Uh, <laughs> oh boy, this is, this is a juicy one. Let me pull it up. Florida man arrested after spraying people with fire extinguisher at Walmart. Um, I mean, I guess, I guess he thought those people needed to be cooled off. A Florida man was arrested after reportedly spraying people with a fire extinguisher at Walmart in Dunalyn on Tuesday morning. This is 33-year-old Greg David Atkinson. Uh, I'm just trying to see what they said about it in specific. Oh, there's not really any more details outside of that. Investigator said at Kissin sprayed two people with the fire extinguisher and grabbed two packs of cigarettes before leaving the store. <laughs> so he tried to spray them to create a distraction and so he could steal two packs of cigarettes. That is hilarious. All right. Well played, Florida man. Well played. Um... Oh, man. The plot thickens. Florida man accused of threatening to assassinate President Trump. Well, that comes as no surprise. Uh, three hours ago, Florida man accused of hitting a puppy with a cooking pot. What an asshole. Why would you want to hit a, pu a puppy with a cooking pot? It's just a puppy. Jesus. Florida man, you prick. Um, what is this? We got one last one. Damn. Florida man killed by deputies after threatening employees in furniture store with a knife. So he went to a lazy boy, home and furnishing decor. And uh, with a knife. He said the man was initially struck by a car near the store Sunday evening. According to the Orange County Sheriff's Office, he got up, ran back into traffic, and was struck again. God damn, investigators said. The man then ran inside the furniture store around 6 p.m. and took out a knife. 
Employees called 911. When deputies arrived, they told him to drop the knife. Canny said he ignored their warnings and made a very quick movement toward one of the deputies who fired. A man was taken to Orlando Regional Medical Center where he was pronounced dead. Well, Florida man took an L on that one. I mean, fuck, you pull out a knife and start waving it around at cops. I mean, typically you're going to have a bad ending. But Florida man was busy, as usual. And uh, and that comes as no surprise. Ah, well, there's one more. There's one more. I gotta, I gotta, gotta go with this one. This is wonderful. Florida man arrested for machete attack inside McDonald's. Jesus Christ. Um, Devin Quarterman, 28, allegedly, allegedly assaulted the victim who he knew during a fight at one of the fast food joints in Pinellas Park around 11 p.m. It's unclear what the fight was over, but apparently it was fucking important enough for him to attack him with a goddamn machete. The victim's in critical in critical condition. Well, hopefully the victim makes it through. Goddamn, imagine you're just going to McDonald's, and you're just going there, you want some fries and a milkshake, you know, you're just chilling, eating a cheeseburger, and a motherfucker comes in there with a machete and starts hitting somebody with it. That's just not how I'm trying to spend my evening at McDonald's. Just saying. You know, so, but yeah, we had, we had to see what the Florida man was up to. I was thinking about some things, um, that make me kind of uncomfortable. One of those is talking about love, man. And, uh, cause I, I, I sit and contemplate things that make me feel, feel vulnerable. I kind of, uh, uh, dissect my own thoughts kind of do an autopsy on my own brain in terms of my inner workings of thought, beliefs, values, standards, all that shit. So I guess you could call it self-analyzing, whatever. And, uh, and this comes up in conversation, um, when I'm trying to just share stuff with people, I always get uncomfortable talking about the concept of love. And this isn't every single time, but I, uh, I don't know, for whatever reason, when I talk about falling in love or finding love or my um, past history with love, it just it makes me feel vulnerable because it's like, all right, as a guy, you're not really supposed to talk about that stuff. You're supposed to be like tough and, you know, you don't need to show that emotion, you know, like expressing that type of emotion makes you weak you know that whole silly mindset so i think that is where that uh uneasiness stems from because love is a very essential part of life you know it's something that completes us as human beings without it we can't function in a healthy manner we all experience love you love your parents you love your siblings you love your pet you love your partner whatever the case may be you love your friends you know the list goes on and on and there's varying levels of love and for whatever reason for a lot of men talking about that is super uncomfortable you know and obviously this is me you know i get uncomfortable about that too but I've met other people in that same position, you know, it's like, 
I feel like we should talk about these things more, you know. It's okay. Just like mental health, it's okay to talk about. I kind of like going against the grain of uh the against the grain of like the societal structure that's built for men, you know. Like fuck that. I'm going to talk about how I feel. I'm going to talk about my, my mental health. I'm going to talk about everything just because I can. And why not? It feels good too, you know, like a lot of people hold all that shit in. They don't ever talk about how they feel or ever talk about their past relationships and how they felt in those relationships. Like sometimes that shit helps, you know, helps prepare you for future relationships, you know, because we all want to experience love. It's a very unique and satisfying experience, you know, and it comes and goes with love. There's some people that are just meant to stay with you for a short short while. And they move on, you know, because life's a journey. We're constantly moving. It doesn't ever stop. Some people will stay with you a little bit longer. And some people for a lifetime. And to get a better understanding of love is to get a better understanding of life, I think. And this is something I've touched on recently in terms of trying to understand it and things that i've done to try to understand this concept a little bit more is just essentially studying psychology reading material by esther perel um you know listening to her podcast um uh material by dr dr christopher ryan um who else i can't think of the rest off the top of my head but this is all stuff that I try to listen to people who have spent a lifetime analyzing these ideas and, and, and these concepts, and they have a very sound, in-depth understanding of it, so I can kind of pick their brain, go through their material, and try to understand it a little bit better for myself. And I found a lot of value in that. It's really rewarding. It's really cool. You know, it's just like learning anything else, you know. And uh, so that's something that I like to do. I really, if, if that's a topic that you're interested in, I strongly recommend uh, listening to Esther Perel. Uh, she has a couple TED Talks, one about infidelity that's absolutely phenomenal. But, um,. She has a couple podcasts that she does. She has a really cool, I think I might have spoken about this on one of my episodes already, but she has this really cool podcast where she interviews couples and she records it and then goes and does these little like, uh, analyze, she like does these analyze, uh, I can't even say the word. She essentially analyzes the conversation that she's having with them and, and gives you a perspective of what she was thinking, what she should have said, what they were saying. And it's kind of like how you read a book and there's like notes off to the side that kind of explain the concepts that are being discussed. She does that same thing in this uh, little group therapy that she does. It's a really good listen. And you know what? Before I forget, I'm going to pull it up because it's, it's worth it. Uh, it's called Where Should We Begin with Esther Perel. I think you would enjoy that if you're into that whole topic. And she also has a really good uh, psychology lecture 
um, it's called Cal Southern Psychology Lecture, uh, Lectures with Esther Perel. That lecture was one of the <laughs> coolest psychology lectures I've ever heard. You know, I, I strongly recommend it. It's, it's like uh, maybe a little bit over an hour. And I plan on getting her book. She has this a book called Mating in Cap Captivity. Um, and she has these just really profound concepts on love and eroticism and all that. So, but enough about that. Go check her out. Let me know what you think. This past month has been uh, kind of weird with me being disciplined with my habits because when I went home for the holidays, it threw everything off and I just kind of lost momentum. So my daily habits have been a, a bit sporadic in terms of like my meditation um, and writing and stuff. I typically do that every day, but there'll be a, a couple days here or there that I miss or the exact time that I do it varies. I really like to be structured in that. I like to get up and do my routine the same way every day, just so I can kind of build that habit as it's something that just must be done. And I just don't even have to think about it. You know, I just get up and, and do it. And, uh, January has not been the best for me in that regard. I mean, I did a lot of, uh, a lot of good things, you know, um, you know, I, I've, I've still been practicing my guitar. I'm trying to learn how to use this recording software so I can produce music. Um, I'm about to start just taking uh, free photography lessons either off YouTube. There's this website too, uh, Nikon or Nikon, Nikon, however you pronounce it. They have like this uh, free university for photography that you can do that I plan on doing. So as far as like uh, hobbies that I want to do, because I want to take on some more hobbies. And I've, I've talked about this before. But this is stuff that I should be doing every single day, you know, um, like allocating a block of time for each specific task and not move forward until I get that done. That way I have my day scheduled. And I know that sounds like militant, but for me, I operate really well with that kind of rigidity. Um, and I need to get uh, back on top of that, you know, just scheduling out my day. So I know what I'm doing every single hour of the day. Um, I need to get back on that. You know, it's February. What's the day today? February, uh, 11th. I feel that, um, I'm going to get back on that this month. It's not even feel I'm going to get back on this, on that, um, structure this month i have a lot of different things i need to do sometimes i feel like i need a radical change in my life and i'm not really sure why that is it's just how my life has played out every five six years i just change something in my life you know um for instance, me moving down here, I did that five years ago. That was a radical change. Um, and radical change happens not just by my choice, but by how life dictates. You know, it's change that life brings that you have uh, no say in. But I feel like I need to do something completely different just to kind of refresh things. I feel it's important to kind of 
put yourself in a vulnerable position in terms of, of change. I'm not sure what that radical change is going to be, but I don't know. I just feel that inside. And every time I get this feeling, I always end up acting on it. And I'll know what that change is going to be when it happens. Something will come up and I'll just know. And I feel like I'm coming up on that that kind of thing again. So we'll see where that goes. And like I said, I've had this happen a few times throughout throughout my life, you know, like the last major change I had was uh when I split up with my ex in Michigan. I left her, I moved in with my biological father, and then shortly thereafter I was offered a job um down here in Florida in a field that I had no idea how to do, but I ended up learning. Um, but I absolutely just took the job and went, you know, and moved down here and, and started a life. And uh, so that was the last real big change, you know, and I feel like something like that's going to come along. That's not to say I'm just going to move across the uh, country or anything like that, but I don't know. I just got to figure out what it what it is, you know. Maybe I take on some new um, opportunity, you know. Maybe I go out and learn uh, something, learn something new that I've never done, you know. I don't know yet, but I got that feeling inside, and I know that feeling well. So I was just thinking about that. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I go to Tampa this next weekend for my uh, roommate and friend Chase Boutwell, his fight. It's like his third pro fight or something like that, four pro fight. He's undefeated pro. So I'm going to go out there. Me and Dean uh, are going to drive out there. Dean Thomas, he's one of the coaches at American Top Team. Um, we're going to drive out there and corner him and watch him beat some poor kid up. So I'm excited for that. I like Chase. That kid's a good kid. And uh, – He's 21 years old and just an absolute savage. You know, the young generation of fighting, is they're so complete, you know. Like, when I was 21, like, MMA was still starting to come into its own, but now these kids are training since they're, like, eight in MMA. And they're just so polished and refined by, you know, 19, 20, 21. You know, it's just like they're contending with people that have years in the sport and it's just fascinating to watch that's one of the beautiful things about american top team you can just sit there and watch these talented individuals come into the gym and and they're just hungry and motivated and you can just watch them grow there's just such high level talent there you know there's so many um good fighters you know you have amanda nunez joanna um jojacek i probably butchered her name um you got uh, Junior Dos Santos, who else? Henan Barrao, Pedro Munoz, um, Moicano, like all these top UFC fighters. Uh, and the coaching staff is amazing, you know. So it's just, it's super inspiring to go in there and watch a bunch of uncommon people striving for an uncommon goal. And uh, that's what drew me to that gym you know granted i'm not 
actively pursuing fighting or anything like that. But to be in the presence of that kind of mindset, it will aid you in whatever endeavor you're trying to pursue just because they're hungry. They have that drive and that's contagious, you know. And those are the kind of people I like to surround myself with because I'm motivated like that. Like, this is how my brain works. I want to absolutely attack life and uh, just persevere and move forward with the same, you know, ferocity that these people do. So it just kind of reinforces that in myself. You know, most of my friends are professional fighters and they all have that drive. And uh, it keeps me on my toes and helps motivate me so if any of my friends are listening right now keep doing your shit man because that stuff's motivating you know seeing you guys succeed in life it gives me a uh a bit it's a big inspiration you know and i fucking mean that but i was looking at a post from a friend of mine the other day and he was just talking about drug addiction and uh it got me thinking about my relationship with, with drug addiction. I've never been an addict in the sense of like having a drug completely consume me or anything like that. Like I've done all kinds of drugs. Like I'm not going to shy away from that. I'm, I'm just real. I'm a very transparent person. Like I've done every fucking drug there is except maybe LSD. Um, and I just, like I said, I'm an inquisitive person. I always wanted to figure out what this stuff does and, and things like that. And, uh, but I never developed a habit. Um, but people that have been really close to me and that I care about deeply have been afflicted by drug addiction. Um, some of them have, have, have died as a result, you know, and that, uh, and that's something that weighs heavy on me, you know, it's just, it's hard to watch somebody go down that downward spiral because specifically specifically heroin once that sinks its hooks in you can just see somebody's mind slowly unravel and there's like nothing they can do about it until they get to a position where they want to do something about it and that's so hard to get to because you have to have a very good support system and you have to be absolutely ready and have the resources to step away from that lifestyle. And it's just, it's so hard to watch, you know. Like, I grew up with a family that a lot of them were alcoholics, you know. My mom drank, my grandpa drank, my grandmother drank, you know. I remember my grandma smoking a Virginia Slims with an oxygen tank mask with the oxygen thing on her nose, drinking a 40 of Bush, you know, and, and flip-flops with a, her little Afro-permed hair. You know, that's just my grandma, Grandma Carol, you know. And my mom, she, you know, was an alcoholic because, I mean, it's just how it was. And then her dad, her biological dad was an alcoholic. I remember watching Joe drink all the time, you know, drinking beer and liquor. And then, you know, like the man who raised my mom while Joe wasn't around was an absolute alcoholic. He ended up uh, passing away as a result, you know. So it's just like I'm very intimate with with that addiction. And then into my adult life, 
I started losing people to heroin, you know, and like the first real experience that I had with uh, losing somebody to opiates was my old coach, uh, Quincy, Quincy Rice. And I just watched that drug just completely take a hold. It's like it was a virus and he was the host, you know. And uh, when that happened, I just didn't know how to take that, you know. Because like I said, I come from a, a history of alcoholics. And how I t dealt with that stuff before was to completely remove it from my life. And that's what I did with him, you know. He became a, you know, a, a very heavy drug user and I just receded from that. And then uh, eventually it... it it got worse and, uh, you know, he, he got sober for a moment, but as often is the case, people who get sober relapse, you know, cause it's a struggle. It's a fucking fight for people to genuinely get sober, you know, for a lifetime. That's a fight. They're going to fight until the day they die. You know, those cravings are always going to be there and he succumbed to that, you know, and ended up ODing and dying. And that was absolutely fucking devastating to me because Quincy was my first coach. So I'll kind of give some context as far as our relationship goes. Quincy was my first coach, okay? I never had anybody as a mentor like that before. So I got out of prison and got right into training. You know, I, I met Quincy at a MMA show in Jackson at the Optimus Arena and, uh, I knew I wanted to train MMA, you know, I wrote in my journal, like in 2009, that I was going to get out and train. And this is what I was doing. I was following through on my goals. And I, I went to uh, these fights at the Optimus Arena. And he was ref in there. And a guy at the YMCA, shout out to John Price, um, he's seen me hitting the heavy bag. And he's like, you need to go see Quincy Rice. He's training, you know, fighters out of the back of Powerhouse Gym. He's going to be at the fights um, during the weekend. You should go uh, talk to him, you know, about training. So I said, absolutely, you know, I absolutely plan on doing that. And I did. So that Saturday, I went to the Optimus Arena. My cousin Daniel was fighting. Um, my cousin Daniel, you know, he grew up street fighting and stuff. And we talked about training and stuff like that. And he uh, said he wanted to fight. And asked me to corner him. You know, I knew shit about MMA, but I'm like, okay, I'll corner you. And uh, he ends up fighting this kid and just fucked this kid up, like splitting his head open with elbows and stuff. Daniel didn't know anything. He just street fought, you know. But he ended up, you know, being athletic and uh, just powerful, scrappy kid. Busted the guy up with elbows and ended up winning. So at some point during the night after uh, some of the fights, I seen the Quincy. And I walked up to him and I said, uh, I want to start training at your gym and I'll be there Monday. And he said, all right, see you then. You know, and I shook his hand and went on about my way. You know, he probably heard that conversation or heard that, you know, from a thousand different people over his lifetime, you know. And uh, so he probably didn't think nothing of it. But to me, that was everything. Like, I know what I'm doing Monday, you know. I'm this... I got this long hair, you know, fresh out of prison. And I'm looking to 
to train. So he's probably looking at me like, who the fuck is this kid? You know, this kid isn't going to come in and train. And uh, that Monday I did, you know. I walked into the gym with a cut-off pair of jean shorts that I split up the side and a tank top ready to train. Did my first training session and absolutely fell in love with it. Never looked back, you know. And uh, that's how my whole start with Quincy started, you know. I absolutely immersed myself in that. So that's just to give you a background into essentially how I got started in MMA and the context for what I was talking about with the drug addiction. So fast forward to the day I found out he passed away. You know, the mother of his children, Lisa, called me and told me that he OD'd. Like, this was early in the morning. I was absolutely fucking devastated. I just didn't know what to say, you know. This is somebody that I looked up to for years that molded me into the fighter that I am today. You know, there's this unsp- it's like this unspoken bond between a fighter and a coach. and It's hard to explain unless you're a fighter, you know, or an athlete. It's, it's very profound. Um, and, you know, I was very close to Quincy. And I found that out and I was absolutely devastated. And that was my first experience with somebody ODing from drugs. I just didn't know how to handle it. And uh, I was, I, I mourned about that. You know, I was like, I had a lot of grief for a long time over that. You know, it was, it fucked me up. It's different, you know, like when my mom passed away and stuff like that, that was a whole different level of grief. But this was something different too, you know, they're two entirely different things. And uh, that was my first experience with, with addiction. So what that did is it made me super interested to learn about addiction. So I started researching what addiction was, um, how it afflicted people different types of addiction, um, you know, why was it considered a disease in some cases and things like that. I just really uh, wanted to get a better understanding because I'm not going to lie here. I used to think that, oh, well, you're an addict because you choose to be. But there becomes a point where it's no longer choice, it's necessity. Like I said, it's like a virus and you're the host. It absolutely consumes you. You know, and often society looks down on addicts as if they're less than human and they're disregarded, swept under the rug, and uh, there's no typically no compassion towards them. And by me experiencing this kind of loss, it made me super compassionate. I wanted to understand this, and so maybe I could help somebody in the future. If I can learn about it and have a better understanding of it, I might be in a position at some point to be able to help somebody going through something, you know. And then uh, I end up losing my cousin, Tabitha, to heroin. Same thing. She was sober for a while, ended up using and OD'd. And again, it was devastating, you know. It's just like, fuck, man. This drug is completely destroying people's lives. And now that I was aware of it, I started seeing people were dying all over from fucking heroin, man. It's an epidemic, especially in the Midwest. Opiates are a epidemic. Look into it. You know, I think most people know somebody who's addicted to heroin or Oxycontin or some sort of opiate. It's, it's just absolutely terrible. 
So that put me in a position to, like I said, get a better understanding of, of understanding of what addiction is. That way I'm a, just allows me to be more compassionate and understanding of people, you know, because nobody grows up saying, Hey, I want to be addicted to heroin or I want to be addicted to alcohol. You know, it just doesn't work like that. So it just changed my perspective. And now I care about these people, you know, especially there's people in my life that are still afflicted by addiction. And I hope they get the help that they need. I, I genuinely mean that, you know, so. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really think I had anything else I wanted to talk about today. I think I'm at that point, you know, we're closing out on almost an hour on this one. Holy shit. Um, but I just felt I had to redo this. I just did not want to give you a shit product by releasing yesterday's, uh, podcast, you know, so. I know I'm off schedule with this, but I'll put out another one again. It'll be next Monday morning. Um, regardless of what happens in Tampa, when I get home, I'll record it. And uh, we'll recap the fights and everything. I'm sure I'll have some good stories um, for next weekend, especially being around Dean. That guy is absolutely hilarious, man. I love I love that man. He's a, a, genuine, a genuine human being, you know, so... And those are few and far between. You know what you're getting when you're dealing with Dean. So uh, on that note, wherever you are, whatever time it is, I hope you have a wonderful day or night. And again, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this. I mean, I genuinely mean that. I know I'm just getting started into this stuff and refining this whole process, refining this podcast, but your support means everything. And if there's anything that you wanted to do that could help me, it would be writing reviews for this in the whatever app you're using, rate it. If it's on social media, go ahead and like it and share it. All of this stuff helps, you know, and especially with the reviews and stuff. It allows me to get a look at the analytics so I can just kind of see, you know, how people are listening, when they're listening and all that stuff. It's just all of that stuff helps, you know. So um, on that note, I hope you all have a wonderful day, wonderful night, like I said, and most importantly, stay awesome.